Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. I hope that uh, Ringo, the dog at my mom's, is no indication of how riveting the programming is because Ringo is sitting here next to the picnic table. I'm sitting outside on my mom's patio, Quincy, Illinois, and Ringo is laid out flat, sleeping. Hank Wogler, you're wishing you were Ringo at this moment. No, actually, I got Bow Bow laying in here. (laughs) We also call her Moby Dick. <laughs> she, you know, if some she's supposed to be a guard dog. If somebody came to the door, she'd say, "Hey, if you got yourself some something for me to eat, I'd show you where the keys hid." <laughs> so yeah, she's not. <laughs> yeah. she was cute when she was a puppy. <laughs> I know. Ringo's a pretty good dog. It's a blue healer. My nephew's dog. Grace and Ted Rowe, seventh generation to take over this place. You know, people sitting in cubicles know better now how to handle soil health and sustainability than the individuals on the land. So, you know, maybe one day he'll learn. Uh, Speaking of sustainability, Mm -hmm. has anybody ever, you know, laid that out on the table and let it dry or ferment or... Or actually explain it. I mean, that's a pretty broad term. That's like we're saving the environment or we've got climate change. I mean, come on. What the heck is sustainability? I'll tell you what sustainability is. This very spot that I'm sitting on in Adams County, Illinois, has been farmed by my family since 1832 when the first loose came from Germany to this, this part of Adams County. And we've been taking care of the same land for now 190 years, and we continue to produce more with fewer inputs. That is sustainability, no more, no less. The whole thing has been hijacked, and if we don't take it back, they will put us out of business. Well, that's the way it kind of looked to me, that uh, they're, they're trashing chemicals, they're trashing everything that we use uh, to replicate uh, Mother Nature, right? In, in a in a good way. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, less water, uh, nutrients that go directly to the plant. All of those things. Just, it's amazing uh, how you know if you got a, a little few snappy words that you could put together, people will just absolutely bow down at your altar. It's it's crazy. Well, in fact, I had to call my governor out on this last Thursday. Uh, he joined Andrew and I on Across the Pond Live. He was at Heathrow, Heathrow Airport leaving London, going to Ireland, and there's been a Nebraska delegation on a trade mission in the U.K. and in Ireland, and in all fairness, they went to a football game on Saturday, which as a Nebraska taxpayer, I don't know why the University of Nebraska is playing in Ireland, but that's beside the point. Another story for another day. But he was talking about three times in in referencing trade and talking about what Nebraska has to offer. He talked about reducing our carbon footprint, and it just it just hit me really wrong. And so I sent him a note and I said, "Hey, we need to talk about this CO two thing because it's a ploy. 
it's a ploy to put us out of business. And so when he gets back, he's back now. When I get the chance to go to Lincoln, sit down and talk with him. But you're spot on. It's a little buzzword. We're reducing our carbon footprint. Okay, are you producing more with less? That's the moral of the story, and that's the message that we should be sending. Because that's what we're doing. Well, but it, but when you listen to what they are labeling as sustainability, it's going. We're gonna. We will be uh, making greenhouses at Point Barrow, Alaska, in order to cover the amount of food we need to stay alive in the in the world. Because if we do all of these things, our production per acre is going to plummet by more than half. So every square inch, we will, the Rocky Mountains, we'll have to terrace it. And, and we'll, we'll be harvesting grain by hand at the, at the top of the Tetons. I mean, just everything is just, you can't do it. But yet people go, wow, that's cool, man. Yeah. Let's roll up another doobie, man. Okay. Or something. I, I don't get it. Except I'm going to echo your words because you're the one who's told us for 18 years now, every Monday, that you're the canary in the coal mine. This whole thing, every bit of the sentiment. Do you talk about 30 by 30? You talk about conservation. You talk about the American Prairie Reserve in Montana. You talk about the ranch that just sold to the Bureau of Land Management, 36,000 acres in Cheyenne, not Cheyenne, excuse me, Casper, Wyoming. Every time they talk about that, they throw in the term conservation. And the conservation is for the wildlife. It's to improve the habitat of the lesser prairie chicken. Nothing to do with improving conservation and production of food. And you've been the prototype. They've been saying, how much can we make Hank Vogler deal with, not you individually, but you collectively, until they break? That's what they've been doing. Is that you clapping and giving me a cigar? You got it, mister. It took me 18 years to get <laughs> no, no, it did not take me 18 years. The reason I tolerate you for 18 years is I knew that was a true story, and we're trying to get everybody else there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely insanity. Uh, we have huge fires in the West. Well, what did we do back in the 80s? We quit logging. Hmm, I wonder about that. You know, my cousins, when they were running this place before Cristobal Colon showed up, uh, in the east, they cut the bark on the trees so they mm-hmm. would die. They would burn them down, which would put nutrients in the soil, and they would put corn in. Out here, a fire got started. Nobody put it out. So when the first pioneers came out here, there was open savanna. Uh, I've read some of their journals. And one of their journals said... As they were going through Baker Valley towards the Grand Ron, uh, <laughs> they were wearing the bottoms off of their wagons. The sagebrush was so high. Well, since man has come there, there's fertile fields, there's agriculture, there's wildlife, there's all kinds of things, and timber. But you've got to manage things. And this oh natural, perfect world doesn't exist, never has. I mean, how did man start agriculture 10,000 years ago without using proper, uh, uh, whether they liked it or not, they had to use proper management of some sort in order to to get yields to stay or get better. 
I mean, our entire civilization is based on the back of surplus agriculture production, and they don't want surplus agriculture production. They want to go back to some, I don't know, utopian parallel universe where uh, we just open our mouth and the wind blows and the air makes us healthy. That's crazy. Well, okay, let's just cut to the chase. It's not about changing the food production system. It's about eliminating people. Pretty much. It's got to be. Yeah. I, I can't. That's what's going to happen. Whether you, It may not be American people, but it will certainly eliminate people in the poorer countries that have no choice. Uh, you know, right now, the, 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 they're getting the wheat out of the Ukraine now. And where's it going? Ethiopia, the Sudan, all these places that are always on the verge of starvation. No, see, that's, I think you just contributed to the main problem. We think that this is not going to affect us here. I'm in Quincy, Illinois, going to be here today and tomorrow, and then headed to Iowa. And I have, I'm going to go to an interview later today that there is, uh, the energy sector is crippled. And there is a manufacturing entity that I've heard about here in Illinois. Actually, it's West Quincy, Missouri, doesn't matter that has been told by their local electric supplier that they're shutting them off for eight hours a day because they can no longer afford to keep up with the amount of energy they demand, electricity that they demand. I've talked to a train conductor who hauls coal in Illinois. Illinois, until this past year, was the number one coal-fired power plant electricity-producing state. And they're trying, Pritzker, the Illinois governor, is in camp with all of this world food food demise and starvation policy they're shutting down these coal plants left and right and there will be no electricity for people in the state of illinois or this nation this winter and combine that with my home state of nebraska i know for a fact that our coal fire power plant is 26 train loads of coal short right now they're telling them we're this week is they're telling them they're going to get it caught up but it's easy to give rhetoric how about a little delivery? Hank Vogler, Trent Loose, Monday. I need to do more listing, less talking. That's what my mother's telling me, looking through the window. Back with more after this. Cowgirls for a Cure, coming to Minokin Beard Arena. That's coming up just uh, two weeks. No, it's next week. September the 10th. August is nearly gone. So it'll be a week from this Friday. It is a barrel racing. It's a fun event. Cowgirls for a Cure is simply going to kick the butt of breast cancer. We need that in a severe kind of a way. Goldbuckletack.net. Goldbuckletack.net. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Loose alongside Hank Vogler checking in north of Spring Valley, Nevada. It's next week that you want to have all that work stocked up. I don't have my flight yet, Hank, but I've got to fly into Salt Lake City on either Thursday or Friday. So whatever day you have the least amount of work, I'm going to come. Now, uh, you're going to be here the night? I think so. Okay, because this is like still Augusto. This is the 29th. So uh, it would be a week from week now. A week from Friday. Yeah. Because I have a debate with the vegan animal rights zealot 
who has 17 felony charges against him, and we are debating at the Veggie Fest. Unless you're coming to Veggie Fest in Salt Lake City, where I'm told 11, no, excuse me, 5,000 vegetable terrorists will be hanging out. I'm going to stand out front. I'm going to stand out in front with you holding up a sign <laughs> in the nude saying, Eat meat. Look, this body was built by meat. We're both in trouble. <laughs> There's another wonderful statistic. Uh, Our entire system, like it or not, the evolution of what we ate is what we have become. The brain started to grow when we started eating protein meat. All of these things are proven facts. They're not accidental. And yeah, okay, if you want to be a vegan, then you have to accept the fact that chances of Alzheimer's will rise dramatically. Brains will not grow. Uh, your bones will not do as well. I mean, all of these things are, are a possibility. And when you're laying in that hospital bed and the priest is standing over you, giving you the last rites, and you're dying of absolutely nothing, it's going to be pretty dumb. I'd rather have that T-bone steak myself. I don't know. I mean, it's just... there. It defies almost gravity to deny everything that has been proven that we evolved eating meat and 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 all kinds of proteins from that. And yes, we incorporated vegetables when they were available, but they were not available year-round like they are now. So knock yourself out. I'll have the T-bone. It's no With different. With a salad on the side. It's no different than the discussion about uh, sustainability. I mean, true sustainability comes from animals contributing to improving planet health, and then we eat the animal and improve personal health to benefit the immune system. It's all in the same camp. When you do not eat meat, you weaken your immune system. You weaken you weaken your cognitive ability. It's it's not rocket science. Well, and if we're going to go away from producing 180 bushel corn and 50 bushel soybeans and all of these miracles that we've performed with genetics and everything, we're going to have to talk to uh, Trudeau up in Canada because we need the Mackenzie River. We need the lakes in Canada to come down. Can you imagine if every square inch of Nebraska had enough water to raise corn and soybeans, because that's what we're going to have to do. Texas, uh, even Nevada, there's huge areas that could use water is is the is limiting factor. We're already experiencing that with culinary water for lost wages. Uh, I mean, these things are out there, so we have to uh, forget attacking China. We need to uh, go up and take over Canada, because we need their water. Do you know what, uh, he, do you know what he did last week, Trudeau? Uh, I'm sure it was wonderful. <laughs> he announced that he is going to send out a delegation delegation of agents to farms throughout Canada to illegally, I'm just going to say that, illegally come on your farm and test your waters and any place that you have on your farm for nitrate levels because he wants to eliminate fertilization of food production, period. Well, again... Go ahead and show me where centralized planning agriculture has ever worked. 
You know, I know I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it a hundred and one times. In 1913, with horses, was the largest Soviet Union wheat crop ever produced. So that was great. And it went downhill from there all the way through the Soviet Union with their collectivism, with their collective farms. Like 90% of all the fresh produce and vegetables and uh, uh, fruit were produced on the little tiny farm plots that they allowed individuals to have because they could make money with it. But the collective farming failed miserably. And when the Soviet Union collapsed, yes, it's not a panacea, but they produced, they exceeded the 1913 production level. So, again, Mm, to your point, what followed the 1913 huge crop? The Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, Bolshevik Revolution, yes, yes. And and I'm not saying that the czars were a friendly bunch of folks with the with the babushkas, which just means scarf. But I mean the the people that were working in agriculture, they went with the land. They basically kind of a slave thing, you know. I mean, so it just peasants. The word you're looking for is peasants. Yeah. So I again, I didn't make this stuff up. It's happened time and time and time again in many places. You've got to give people the incentive to produce. And when you take that incentive away, you look at this country. We have, what, 10 million jobs that are, and nobody wants to fill them. And we brought in 2 million or 3 million or 4 million, who knows, people that we're paying to stay in hotels, get them cell phones, uh, to come to America. Mm-hmm. Escaping countries, socialist countries. Venezuela, all these places. Why aren't they breaking into Venezuela and Cuba? There's a garden spot. I mean, just everything is just, I mean, it's just, uh, poison those young minds and it, and you, and you got her made. That's all you got to do. <laughs> well, you knew you were in trouble when in the last couple of elections we've heard young people talking about how they desire to be in a socialist country. That's a result well, of, yeah. of the lack of education right there. Well, uh, we have a family Zoom on Sunday afternoon. And uh, we started talking about this, how much more, more my kids had to pay to go to college. And now they've got kids that are in college. And it's astronomical what it's taking them to get through college. Fortunately, uh, they're smart enough that they're getting scholarships and all sorts of things like that to defray part of those costs. But uh, I think I was in, I think my, I, I averaged about less than 250 bucks a semester. But even with that, in that damn time, what money was worth and what, and what wages were, uh, I was making three and a quarter working in a grocery store. So uh, proportionately... I was able to work in a slaughterhouse and on a dairy on the weekends or when I had time off, work nights in the grocery store, and graduated in three and a half years. What school you're around? Well, if you want something bad enough, you can attain it. So anyhow, we were talking about uh, how people expected to get paid back, and their educations are all paid for. So, I mean, it's just, you know. Well, I don't know. It's just, and that it's not right. 
I mean, I, I am actually surprised at the number of people that have come unglued. Uh, in no way, shape, or form do I think it's a good thing. I thought people would be more complacent than they have been in the past week when Biden announced that he was forgiving debt of student loans. There's a lot of people well, who have come I, unglued. My, my, necessarily. They, plus, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. How about me? I graduated almost 50 years ago, or I guess 50 years now. Where, where, where's my money for, for, uh, education? I, I, you know, and with interest, I, they're gonna have to give me more than any 10,000 bucks. So yeah, pay everybody back, you know, run that printing press. So. It's, it's free. Yeah, it didn't cost nothing. For all route. <laughs> Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler. We're halfway through the journey. We will take a break and come back. It's all about soil health, and that is where the, the bottom line is. I, I hearkened back to a sustainability discussion. Soil health, that determines sustainability. Nothing else matters. More after this. And now we talk about immune health. We talk about health in general. The world's authority on nitric oxide production, Dr. Nathan Bryan, explains. We've got about 14 COVID clinics around the U.S. where we have a, a nitric oxide drug trial going on. I'm exposed to COVID probably every day. You know, pre-COVID, we as humans are exposed to viruses and bacteria every day of our life. That's just the world we live in. Some people get sick, some people don't. Why do some people get sick and why do others not? It all boils down to their ability to generate nitric oxide and to have certain things replete in their body like vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, selenium. If you're nutrient deficient, you're going to get sick. If you can't make nitric oxide, you're going to get sick. If you do all these things, you can be exposed to, to COVID or any other virus, and your immune system nips it in the bud, and you don't get sick from it. It's really that simple. We're going to change this ordering process up to make it simpler. Go to loosetailsmedia.com. Loosetailsmedia.com. There will be an order mechanism there, and if you want more of the science, I'll get that to you from Dr. Nathan Bryan. Loosetailsmedia.com. It's N-O-2-U. The, the product's the same. The place you get it is different. Welcome back. Bull Rock, Trent Lewis, alongside Hank Vogler. If you don't have soil health, you have nothing, and soil health is it determines human health, it de and animals are part of the equation in improving soil health, and it's the cycle of life. And we've had people who want to disrupt that cycle of life. We want to demonize carbon dioxide. Anytime you demonize part of the cycle of life, Hank, <clears throat> you might as well eliminate life. That's what you're doing. Well, even out here, uh, yeah, we're not as productive as a Quincy, Illinois farm. No question about it. But the production that we can create when the landscape is going the wrong direction because of mismanagement or the NEPA process or whatever you want to call it out here to have everybody involved and people that don't have skin in the game, people who really and truly, other than uh, their whole equation is man. Mm -hmm. Man does it equals evil. That's it. Let Mother Nature take care of itself. Well, our proverbial sage grouse out here is very low in number. Uh, we have a higher food base for them than they've had for years. Yeah, we've had a few fires that have changed the landscape from sagebrush to cheatgrass and other forages, but they're still here. They come up with this multi-state program that all the agencies were involved. Everybody had a seat at the table, 
and it doesn't even mention predators. Well, why, all the way back into the Bible, do they mention sheep herders? Well, why would sheep herders have to be out there if sheep had no trouble, uh, if animals had no trouble with other animals? Uh, you ever watch Wild Kingdom? Watch one of those lions knock down a great big old water buffalo or whatever they are, cape buffalo. So <laughs> there's always been predator-prey basis, and if we're going to uh, not intervene, so to speak, we provide so many artificial food sources for predators. But every time you run over a jackrabbit on the road or anything like that, uh, a deer, mm. it off, it's off for predators. Get up at daylight right now and go out and drive Highway 93. The ravens will be on Highway 93 looking for last night's kill. And there will be coyotes trying to find the ravens, and then they'll go take the rabbit away from the ravens. So... The best thing we can do is eliminate the automobile, then everybody would be happy. One million, you know, one million animals a day, by the way, are killed on the nation's highways by automobiles. Yeah, so there's one million artificial food sources for mm-hmm. predators. Yeah, they don't and have so that they overprey. Uh, it's just that's just a matter of fact. But we come up with this multi-state program that everybody's so happy with. Doesn't even mention predators. So, I mean, wow, that's, you know, that, that's sort of like uh, we're not going to have food either. And we can produce out here. Yeah, if we had Canada's water, we could probably produce more. Have a little short season growing, but we could produce more. Uh, our aquifers are dropping because the pinion and juniper has not been regulated. It's just allowed to grow water. All these things, all of these are based on less than intelligent use of resources so now you've got me wondering how would the predator base nationwide be different if we didn't have one million animals killed on the nation's highways so they didn't have to work for their food doesn't that mean that the weaker style predator survives uh in in a way or the more i guess cunning animal the, the animal that was able to go up and <clears throat> kick the raven off of the dead rabbit and take it off and eat it. Uh, you know, the, the ravens will attack the coyote, but it doesn't really seem to bother him. He gets the rabbit and goes in the brush. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, whatever it would do to livestock, I know it would, <clears throat> if they were limiting the number of coyotes and lions and things out here, uh, not only would I benefit, but also the wildlife would we're just about out of deer in this area. I mean, there used to be thousands of deer here. They're gone. Uh, we, because uh, I believe the predator base, you know, the endalves at Nevada Park Wildlife says, oh, well, it's a, it, it's a drought. They always have an excuse. Well, it's a drought, but <clears throat> compared to all the animals that have been removed from the western range, uh, there, there's plenty of feed for a lot of animals. There was a heck of a lot more of them when there was a heck of a lot more domestic livestock, and they all seemed to, you know, if you had a bad year, you had a bad year, but the fawn recruitment was huge. The antelope were about gone. The elk, a larger animal to take down, uh, you see fewer and fewer calves with them, so they figured them out, even though they didn't seem to be too thick here in Nevada until somebody said they found a horn of an elk in a cave 
so therefore there must have been elk here, even though uh, my cousins uh, uh, used to trade all over the country. They also sold obsidian out of eastern Oregon for uh, and traded for salt out of the Great Salt Lake. So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of myths that you can work into your narrative. <laughs> Again, if you are talking about disrupting the cycle of life, you're not talking about benefiting the planet or the person. It's that simple. No. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess that this utopian society will exist when we get uh I've heard this the the, the goal of getting back in the United States back to where uh, a pre-World War II population, which is about half of what it is now. So I expect all of the crazies to vote Republican this year rather than uh, whatever they do because, uh, the you know, I mean, it should fit in line because the Democrats are trying to bring in more people into the United States of America. Well... Gratis, <laughs> so we, they should vote against them. Okay, but uni- universally we agree that the last election was not, and we have not had an integrity election integrity for quite some time. It's not something new in 2020. But nothing has changed. So I don't know why people think that we're going to have this red wave when we haven't changed the integrity of the voting systems. Yeah, it kind of almost makes you suspicious that it's not just a uh, ploy by the Democrats in some areas to pad the pad the vote count or something. It's I mean, not yeah, a Democrat I mean, issue. There's, there's I will I will laws. shout that at the top of my lungs. It's a have versus have not. Yes. Yeah, and if you happen to be in an area that's predominantly uh, a Republican conservative area, you still want to get elected against any other Republican. You don't, you know, you don't want any competition. You know what Harry Truman said: <laughs> If you go to Washington D.C. and come home rich, you're a crook. Yeah, <laughs> that's plain enough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So they must, they must have a great dental plan. Most mid-level jobs in any industry pays more than becoming a congressman. So, so I, you know, the dental plan must be great. Used to be you had to serve ten years to get the pension. Now I think you'll have to serve one term. Yeah, it's it's all just a bunch of crap. Uh, you know, when the if the if the Republicans are so bent on fixing the mess, they have been in charge a time or two. You know, they even fought with Mr. Donald, fought with him when they should have lined up and all these burning issues that they always talk about. Why didn't they get something done about they did try with immigration? Look where that got them. They could have done something with the Department of Education. All these different bureaus, the FBI, I mean, all these things. Nope, they fought amongst themselves. Uh, (laughs) They had people that voted to impeach uh, Trump over a phone call with Ukraine while Hunter Biden was tucking a million dollars in his underwear and headed for home from the same people. Yeah. Well, it's all lip service because uh, under Trump's administration, while he's talking about all the right things, the the whole government grew at a more rapid rate than any four-year period in our history. Nobody talks about that. And that's not just a function of a president. That's a function of a system that doesn't work. 
they when they get always everything collapses from within. You know, all the people that invaded Rome invaded a weak society that had collapsed from within, mm-hmm. and they were able to destroy the entire uh, republic. <laughs> Hank. History. Hank, you, you, you gotta stop talking about these factual parts of history. I mean, if you can't oh. come up with some clouded view of how wonderful Rome was and that they just decided to let the people have it, if you can't do that, then we're not gonna have you on talking about history. Cause if you keep bringing these factoids of history, you're gonna screw up the whole plan going forward. So I should be screaming free bread and circuses? <laughs> <laughs> let them eat cake! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what happened, you know. And, and the amazing thing is that we're a melting pot. There's people from every country in the world that have come here and been successful. And somehow when they become successful, they have a collective guilt about being successful. And and, and maybe they paid two or three of the people who are working for them not enough money or, or, or yelled at somebody. I don't know what it is, but then all of a sudden, we want to make things easier for everybody else. And instead, we, just like the bears in Yellowstone Park, don't feed the bears. They'll become dependent and won't forage for themselves. That's what we do. It's the same mentality. The next generation that comes here uh, is used to that level. The people that came here originally, mostly for persecution, mm-hmm. went, wow, this is freedom. And they excelled with that freedom. And then the next generation, they didn't they didn't want to start at the bottom like mom and dad did. They want to start where whatever level mom and dad reached at the pinnacle and go from there and there and there. And so yeah, we just we're sliding the wrong way. Back with the last segment of Roll Route, sliding to the end after this. Let's talk a moment about Certified Piedmontese, the opportunity to be a part of a brand beef program that truly rewards the cattleman is what we need to focus on. And that is what Certified Piedmontese does. We understand that if we do not have a consistent supply of a certain volume, we cannot market this tender beef to the consumer. So Lone Creek has established a system that works extremely well. I think it works well for us. I invite you to check out how you think it will work for you. It's as simple as using the Piedmontese sires on your cows. There's no Piedmontese in the cow. Unless, of course, you have Pied in your cow, you can do that. You can have a limousine in your cow like we do. But then you use those sires on your cows via natural service or AI and contract the calves back to Lone Creek. And that's a coupon of $180 over market price and the performance is absolutely fantastic i can't believe the disposition it's been a good system for us details at lonecreekcattleco.com certified piedmontese paving the way welcome back roll route trent lewis alongside hank vogler oh oh that was cool there's a hummingbird right here hank i wonder if i can get a picture of that little puppy that's part of sustainability got away from me well yeah (laughs) nobody wants to nobody wants to step up and think of the aerodynamics of a hummingbird technically they're not supposed to be able to fly but they seem to do a fine job of it uh, because 
their wings are not long enough, but they can they can move them fast enough. They can stay airborne. So what was the evolution there? So you know, I mean, they they ignore the beauty of nature, but they embrace the concept of nature being perfect. Well, Mother Nature, uh, right now where my one of my daughters lives, uh, the Rum Creek Fire is within a few miles of her house in heavy timber that was set aside for Mother Nature. Well, Mother Nature's taking care of the timber and and she's not building houses with it. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. We're supposed to have the opposable thumb and the brain and we don't want to use the brain because there might be some sweat form in, on our backsides or something. So we let Mother Nature. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you may as well laugh. I mean, it's so some of it is so ridiculous. It it, it should evoke laughter. Yeah, it's just so frustrating that it's hard to to bring about that laughter. But you're right. Well, it, it, and I, I want that hummingbird the, to come back. I wanted a picture of that hummingbird, and you chased it off. You told him that he was a freak of nature, and boom, it gone. <laughs> well, I don't know if my old high school uh, biology teacher was right or not, but one time I was goose hunting, and I shot a goose, and he went down, and in his feathers was a dead hummingbird. I asked Russell Pengelly, the biology teacher at Burns Union High School, what that was all about, and he said that there was a lot of evidence that because hummingbirds uh, sometimes can't sustain themselves or don't sustain themselves, they've learned to catch a ride on a goose and to migrate to the south. So. I accepted that as a, as a truism because they were both laying there together dead. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I thought it was pretty pretty cool. Wish they hadn't killed the hummingbird because they not too many of them come through Harney County. They're about like a duck coming through here. By the by, uh, if somebody out there's missing some pigeons and they're having some sort of a cross country pigeon race, I don't know if they're going to stay. But about 30 pigeons showed up in my yard of all different flavors. Some of them are different-looking pigeons, but they must be lost. Most of them have, you can see, a some sort of a bracelet on. That, so they belong to somebody, but hmm. th- I guess they're on their way wherever they're headed. They just laid up here for a few days to rest. But I got pigeons. You know, there was a time that, I, I mean, I've went and videoed some stuff, did radio, back before I was doing video on that radio, about the racing pigeon industry. It's a it's a huge deal. I mean, it's, it's not uh, unlike dog racing, it, but it, they don't usually get lost. I wonder how come you had 30 of them that got screwed up. You know well, what they, you know what they do, don't you? They... They, they use the stars, don't they? Well, I don't know how the pigeon actually hones in on their navigational skills. I should study that again. But what they do in competition is these guys take these pigeons, they put them on one bus, or it's a, actually a truck. That would be similar to a truck that you haul dogs on. And then they take them to a spot, open the gates, 
those pigeons all fly out and then they fly back home. And it could be three, four hundred miles. And the reason they have that band on their leg is that when they come back into their home base, they go through a, a reader, just like a, a reader at the grocery store. And then they get together and who's ever pigeon showed up at the quickest time because it tight time stamps when they shown back up home. That's how they rank the winner of the pigeon race. It's a really cool deal. Well, but you got thirty wayward somehow, pigeons. Something happened to the 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 balance of the sensor or what they were doing. Yeah, they must have flown over my sheep. I'm sure that's the you know the root of all evil. And uh, <laughs> my sheep turned and looked up and picked at him, and he was from Peru. You know what happened? So they go, hey, that guy's. I know what happened. We're we're going the wrong way. They're they're flying over the Nevada wow. desert where there's not supposed to be any, you know, like cell phones or 5G or anything else. But the Department of Labor is now forcing you to provide cell phones in the desert where it messed with the oh the hummingbirds back where it messed with the navigational skills of these pigeons. I got. I think him. you're onto something here. I, I got him. I got him. <laughs> I shot the hummingbird. <laughs> He's flying right there. Again. Well, you got to have quite a few of them to put in the blender to make any kind of a soup out of them. <laughs> okay, for everybody listening, I shot the hummingbird with my camera on my phone. I got it. Oh, oh, oh! I'm I wish sorry. I had my other camera now. <laughs> oh, now I got two. I got something going on here, Hank. We're attracting a crowd. <laughs> The problem is in is the one picture. Of them transgender? <laughs> no, no. Let's be clear. These hummingbirds are a male and a female. Oh, okay. I just wondered. You know, you got to be politically correct these days. No, here, and I don't know what you're doing on Columbus Day, but I am officially today submitting the permit for the man parade in Mandan, North Dakota, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. On Columbus, I mean, let's say two, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Columbus Day. Celebrate everything manly in the eyes of God. And most importantly, we've had activist groups who've stolen the rainbow from what God intended for it to be. And we are taking the rainbow back. So if you want to celebrate everything that a man should be and a father should be, join us in Mandan, North Dakota on Columbus Day. October 10th. Wow. But anyhow, uh, didn't Columbus, wasn't it October 12th? You guys are going to march for two days? Or is it 14th? <laughs> Time out. First of all, you know, I mean, you, you, you put that into a third party it, context. It's not you guys. It is we. We are going to march for two days. No. It's the official holiday because I don't want to do this on true Columbus Day. The real men are working on Columbus Day. But the October 10th, the day that the federal government celebrates Columbus Day, you have a good reason not to be at work. Because we're not, we're not talking about lazy duffers. We're talking about men who work and provide for their families and raise their kids and are God-fearing individuals. That's what we're talking about. Well... I hope I hope you draw a big crowd. You know that that's 
There's, uh, that's what we need. Is I guess we need a big enough slap in the face, whether it's the raid at Mar Largo, the fact that we're going to have a winter without electricity, or something has to wake us up. Because I promise you, government gets over. Uh, what do they say now? Get, gets too far over their skis. Mm-hmm. Well, like a, it has grown. Yes. We do need government. You cannot have anarchy or vigilanteism. But when we, since the Second World War, have said, you know, there ought to be a law, let let the government take care of that. Well, the government takes care of itself first. Anything else is incidental. And even though there are some real, loyal, dedicated people, there are also people that their what they consider as hard work or what they consider getting to the top is through being stealth within a government agency. And you wind up with people who have their own narrative, they have their own ideas, and they are not following what this country was founded on. And that's what happens. And I don't know how we can rein that in, but I guarantee you if people don't have electricity, People don't have water and don't have food. Uh, there will be some changes. I just hope that the the, gov- the weaponization of the government isn't so bad that they come out not unlike the Gestapo or the KGB and lay lay enough people down that everybody else cowers in the corner. That's happened over the years too. Look at China, biggest bunch of capitalist pigs on this earth, and they can't do nothing about it when. The government says you will do this or you will do that. They just figure out how to go around it. But nonetheless, they do not have our freedoms. If they think there's a lot of people coming over that border now, if if the people of China could escape, they would be here by the thousands and not to form a communist country either. Well, I think the Chinese people are here by the thousands. We're just not hearing about it. Well, yeah. Yeah, and they went through the ghetto just like the Irish, just like the Italians, just like the mm. people from I think they're here for nefar- I think else. they're here for nefarious reasons, not like your wife who's here legally. I think they're here with cash in their pocket to buy our resources. Well, there is always going to be some people that are here for those reasons, but there are also some people here that have come here from all over the world. You know, and and tried to excel, and have excelled, and other jealous-hearted people have been upset with them, time and time again. And I'm not so sure that that's not what we're going through right now. Is is why would people be escaping Venezuela when Venezuela is a utopian place now? Mm-hmm. I mean, for nutrition, there's that's an oxymoron. That'll do it. We have successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Hank Vogler, Trent Luce, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route. This is one I'd like to mention, the Protect the Harvest Arsenal. It's an arsenal of information to empower you, the property owner, to have the access to information and the tools to protect your own property. You know, we like to focus on the people. We talk about property, but it's all about people. People and their property. Friend of the land, the new announcement was made in the email newsletter last week. I'm just going to make you go to the newsletter and figure out what that's all about. There's interactive courses, educational resources, and a focus on the people that take care of the land. 
land and livestock. It's all about food security and the ability to produce essentials of life for mankind. Protecttheharvest.com to get full details and just sign up for this free newsletter. I think you'll say thank you when you get the information and you start using it because you can have access to anything in the world, but if you don't use it, it doesn't really matter. Protecttheharvest.com, making sure that we do have a fruitful harvest.